0: at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, uh-huh, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Go. Hey, Hey, go. Hey, go. hey Slandy. Hey, go. Hey, hey, Slandy. Hey. Hit it up hard. Hit it up hard. It with a strike. Hit it with a strike. From the national anthem. anthem. To the bottom of the night. I'm in. Hey, hey, Slandy. Hey, go. Hey, Slandy. go. Slam Slandy. go. Hey, you already know what's up. What's you know that? Another home run. job ain't done to hold that hey. what's up, everybody. Welcome to episode 360 of the Talking for Hours Podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden with you here on this Friday evening. San Diego State just got that win against San Jose State. They're heading to the Mountain West Conference Tournament Championship game. It'll either be against Nevada or, or excuse me, not Nevada, Utah or Boise. It would have been against Nevada, or they would have played Nevada if they would, if Nevada would have beaten uh, San Jose State the other night. I got those teams mixed up, but good win from San Diego State. We'll talk about that later. Uh, but obviously, Padres. This is the main part of the show, so it's gonna be Padres talk as always. Uh, a lot to discuss. The World Baseball Classic. Yu Darvish, Hasan Kim. Brogard's had that had the day off because Netherlands played the first two days of the tournament, but they'll get back to it tomorrow. Everyone is playing, so it's going to be loaded tomorrow. That's It's going to be a really fun day of watching baseball. Padres are playing a spring training game as well. Um, so I'll update you on everything that's going on in WBC, the outfield situation right now for the Padres, some injury updates, some bad injury stuff some roster moves that the Padres made today, a lot of that on today's show. Uh, Let's first start off with the World Baseball Classic. So this morning, today's been a long day, man. So I woke up a little before 2 a.m., make sure I was ready for you, Darvish, taking the mound for Team Japan in Japan's second game of the World Baseball Classic. They're obviously facing off against Team Korea and Hassan Kim, and so I was excited to see the Darvish versus Hassan Kim matchups, and there ended up being two because obviously in pool play, there is the pitch uh, restriction, like pitch limit. You can't go like more than, I think, 65 pitches in pool play, and then you have to have like four days off. Like that's the limit. So only a couple matchups between the two, uh, in the first at-bat, Hassan Kim grounded out to shortstop. He was hustling down the line, so it had to be a good play on both ends by the shortstop and by the first baseman. The second time around, Darvish again got Kim to hit a ground ball. Should have been a ground out. Uh, Kim was hustling down the line. Third baseman for, uh, rushed the throw, it seemed like, a little bit. And the throw was high took the first baseman off the bag and Hassan Kim ended up getting to second base where he ended up scoring on a RBI single to right by, I think Jung-Ho Lee is his name. Last name Lee, that's what I know. Um, Single to right. I do want to clarify this. For, For those that are just looking at Darvish's line, he ends up going three innings, giving up three runs, giving up a home run. That doesn't look like the best line, but if you were watching the game or you went back on, you DVR'd it and watched the game, watched Darvish's start, the first two innings, he pitched pretty good. It was that third inning where, yeah, he gave up a double in the gap, then he gave up a home run, which was a bomb. I mean, that guy smashed that. I forget his name, but he smashed that ball. That ball almost hit the back of the Tokyo Dome it was almost 400 feet i believe absolutely crushed um but yeah so it was really that he got the grounder against Saun Kim the third baseman made an error and i know he gave up the single to lee but kim should not have been on base for that for that hit from lee to be an rbi so it was really two earned runs um and yeah darvish he probably wants to be in peak shape right now because he really cares about the WBC. But if he's not, it's not the end of the world because he's not pitching in a Padres uniform, like all Padres fans should really care about is if he comes out of this tournament healthy, right? And so he's healthy. And there were some positive things that I saw from Darvish in that start earlier this morning. So, look, Japan, they ended up winning this game. Darvish, he left the game down 3 nothing. But then Japan in that bottom of the third, there was a lot of runs scored. Seven combined runs in that third inning. Japan comes back, scores four runs in that inning. The Korea starting pitcher, I forget his name, but um, I think last name Kim as well. He pitched really well the first two innings. I think he had five strikeouts in the first two innings. And then the third inning is where he got into trouble. Um, Lars Newt Bar, St. Louis Cardinals outfielder. He came through big. Masutake Yoshida came through big in this game for Team Japan. Otani, I mean, just watching him play and seeing how happy he is playing baseball. That's why it's like, man, I hope he can be on a contender. Obviously, we hope it's the Padres. Like, that would be amazing if the Padres got Shohei Otani. But just to watch him with Team Japan and him smiling all the time. And he, he, he's having fun playing baseball. I'm not saying he doesn't have fun playing baseball with the angels, but the angels are not a contender, right? The Padres, if they were able to land Shohei, they, they'd be a contender. Shohei would be on a contending world series contender for however long his contract is, or at least for the majority of that time, like Peter Seidler's not stopping now. Um, He's going to continue doing this and AJ's not going to stop, you know, Manny, Tatis, Bogarts, they're here for the next decade, at least. So, there's a good core. Darvish here for the next six years, including this year. So, five years after 2023. Musgrove here for the next four years after 2023. So, Otani, he knows there's going to be a lot of talent on this team for years and years to come. This is not like a one-year deal thing with a bunch of players like the Angels did. Like, Trout's going to be there, obviously. Rendon. But... If I was Otani, it's obviously not working with the Angels, so go somewhere else. I'd have a better chance of winning if I go somewhere else. That would be my thinking if I was Shohei. But that that's, my, that's what my thought goes to. Watching Shohei and Darvish on the same team in this WBC, seeing how happy Shohei is playing for Japan. I know he has a lot of friends there and all that, uh, and he's from there, and uh, that's He's probably not going to be happier playing in Major League Baseball than he is going to be playing in, you know, right now like he is in Japan. That that's just the way it is. But he can be happier than I think where he is right now with the Angels. And the Padres would be a destination where he'd be happier. I know this kind of veered into an Otani conversation instead of Darvish Kim, but that just crept into my mind, so I did want to hit on that. But yeah, Team Japan—they're two and zero. So Darvish. Seems like he's going to get another start at least in. Well, it would probably go Otani first, but you would think Darvish gets at least one more start because I would think Japan would be able to win their quarterfinal round, um, their quarterfinal matchup, knockout round, first knockout game against the second seat or this, the runner up in the other pool on that side of the bracket. So, I don't think it's going to be Netherlands, but it'll be another team in that pool uh, that Japan would play. Assuming Japan is the one seed, they, they end up winning their pool. That's what I mean by the one seed. Uh, so, they're 2 0. Korea is 0 2. Hassan Kim, he has not gotten a hit yet in the WBC. That's not something to worry about if you're a Padres fan. Like, it's March 10th. I'm just saying that because. It's the WBC, and I know Padres fans, they're interested in seeing how Padres players are doing in this tournament. And it's not like Hassan Kim has sucked. He's gotten robbed a couple times. First game that they played against Australia, his first first at bat, I think, he had a line drive in the gap, and it was caught. There was a ball that I thought was going to drop this morning when I was watching, probably like 3 a.m., 4 a.m. at that time. And Lars Nootbaar came and robbed him of a hit. Great diving catch. So Kim, he's gotten on base, obviously, with that air from the third baseman, and he was hustling both times. Like, the hustle was there. He scored a run today, earlier today. Um, I guess it was yesterday in Japan, but you get what I'm saying. Earlier today in the U.S., U.S. time, uh, he scored on that Lee single. So he is contributing to Team Korea They just need more talent. And maybe it's not just they need more talent. They just, they had a chance to come through against Australia. I didn't think that they were going to beat Japan earlier today with Darvish on the mound. I know Darvish wasn't as great as he could have been, but with the offense Japan has and Darvish on the mound, I just didn't think Korea was going to win this game. Australia, the Australia game, they should have won. They had so many opportunities there late in that game. They had a runner on second. He was celebrating. Came off the bag. He's out. Next or next guy, a couple guys later, singles. You know, that bit him in the butt. There was, uh, I think bases loaded. They were down by one. Would have given Korea the lead. And the ball lands a couple feet foul, it looked like, down the left field line yes, yesterday, the other day, in Korea's first game. And Hassan Kim was up and Edmund, I think that was after Edmund walked in the Australia game, and Kim popped up, I think Lee got out as well, so they had chances in that Australia game. That was the game to win, but now they're 0-2, Japan's 2-0, and Japan's going to advance. Korea, they probably aren't. And It's not looking good, so maybe that's good news for the Padres, for Padres fans, like they're going to get Kim back early. Um. We'll see how long Darvish and Team Japan last. We'll see how long Xander and Team Netherlands last. Because they're 2-0. And they're going to advance in pool play. They're in a great position. And they haven't even played like their easiest opponents yet. I don't think so. Netherlands, their next game is at 3 a.m. So this coming morning, 3 a.m. Don't know if I'm going to be up for that one. I I really wanted to see Kim against Darvish. That's why I was and and, and Otani too. I really wanted to see that. That's why I got up at two in the morning um, to watch that and watch the whole game. And that was fun. I I was fine with sacrificing some hours of sleep to watch that. Like, I don't know the next time that that's going to happen, you know, Padres, facing off like that in that environment, I mean the Japanese environment, the Tokyo Dome, my goodness, that is a sight to see. If if you were not up for that for that Japan game, I guess you can go look at the highlights, but that that atmosphere is amazing. Like the the trumpets, the drums, the chants that they have for players. I have no idea what they're saying, but I mean the chants, it's great, just the environment. And they're they're chanting during pitches. Like sometimes they stop chanting and wait for the pitch, like the anticipation. But there was a lot of times when these fans were continuing to do chants and singing. It seemed like that's what it—that's what I was hearing in the background. Them like singing, them chanting while the game is going on. Still during, you know, while some, uh, the Korea pitcher was throwing to Otani, like they they kept going. So. That atmosphere is great. Uh, It's loud. And hopefully that's what the atmosphere is going to be for when the Dominican Republic plays in Miami because I know their fans are really loud as well and they like to have their instruments come into the ballpark. And Team USA, I don't think that's really going to be the atmosphere. Maybe for USA-Mexico on Sunday. But that's not really, at least from what I remember from the last World Baseball Classic, that's not really what, team USA fans do like they get loud and stuff but it's they don't have the same uh energy like throughout the game and the chants and all that like Japan and maybe the DR has but definitely Japan uh some Korea fans were there Chinese Taipei that crowd was amazing um so we'll see i it, it was a great great atmosphere that i got to see early this morning um And I I don't regret not sleeping in. I I don't regret getting up and watching that. That was fun. Uh, So the other Padres that are playing starting on Saturday, so tomorrow. But podcast listeners, it's probably if you're listening on Saturday morning, later today, or watching on replay on YouTube, later today if you're watching on Saturday, March 11th. I'm doing this March 10th. Um, Netherlands, like I said, 3 a.m. on FS2. These are all Pacific time. Columbia, 11.30 a.m. on Fox. Columbia, Nabil Chrismat is on the mound. Quintana, I think, was supposed to start, but he did not, he's not participating because he has to deal with an injury. Uh, so Chrismat's going to get that start. He's Columbia's ace this year. That'll be fun to watch. The Dominican Republic play at 4 p.m. on FS1. They play Venezuela. Um, Who is starting? It's uh, Alcantara for Team DR. And then Venezuela, I forget who they're throwing out there. Martin Perez, I think. That's a good matchup. And obviously Soto, the update there, he took a red eye yesterday, last night, into Miami. I believe he practiced with Team DR today on the field in Miami. So he is good to go. His cap is 100%. He was playing in those backfield games the other day in Peoria. So, he is good. So, I'm still going to be worried watching. Just like I'm going to be worried watching Manny, even though he's not hurt or anything. It's just because I don't want Padres getting hurt, right? But, it's going to be fun watching them play for their countries. I'm rooting for Team USA, but when is playing tomorrow, like, they're not in Team USA's pool. So, I'll pull for Team DR as long as they're not playing Team USA. If that makes sense. Like, I'm pulling for Netherlands. I'm pulling for Japan. Japan-Korea was kind of tough who to root for there. I was just fine with whoever won. Um, But obviously just wishing that all the Padres, they come back healthy, they have success. Uh, Team USA, Nick Martinez, he's not starting Game 1. That's Adam Wainwright. But Team USA plays at 6 p.m. Pacific Time on Fox against Great Britain. And then Korea, 7 p.m. on FS1, a must-win game. I thought the Japan game was a must-win game for Korea because now they're 0-2 with two more games to play. Like The best that they can do is be uh, 2-2 in their run differential right now. Entering Game 3 at 7 o'clock tomorrow night is negative 10, I believe, because they lost by 9 to Japan. They just kept piling it on. Korea was up 3-0, ended up losing by 9 runs to Japan. That's how talented Japan is. And then they obviously lost to Australia by one. They should have won that game, but they didn't. Uh, So that is the next games for Padres players. Bogarts, 3 a.m. FS2. Chris Matt, 11.30 a.m. on Fox on Saturday. Manny, Soto, Cruz, Luis Garcia as well, 4 p.m. FS1. And then 6 p.m. on Fox, Nick Martinez will be sitting in the dugout. No one on Team USA is playing. No Padres on Team USA is playing in the game tomorrow, but Martinez should be starting Sunday's game against Mexico. Then Hassan Kim, 7 p.m. on FS1 on Saturday night. So, already talked about Soto. He'll be good to go. Adam Engel, positive update there from Sammy Levitt earlier today. He is in the lineup. He'll be in the lineup tomorrow. He played in that same backfield game, B game that Soto played in yesterday. So in the lineup tomorrow, he's facing his former team, the White Sox. Luis Camposano is dealing with a little bit of a, a hamstring issue. Kevin Ac, I was listening to uh, his interview with John and Jim. Well, only Jim Russell because John was in Vegas for SDSU. Uh, but Ac was telling Jim that he'll probably not be in the lineup till next week at some point. Just being careful, careful there. If Campy. I don't expect him to like have to miss the start of the year, but let's say he's not going to be on the roster at some point. Who are the backup catching options? The the third string? Pedro Severino, Brett Sullivan. Severino has a cannon. He's already thrown out multiple runners this spring. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Um not great with the bat. Maybe they they opt for Brett Sullivan over Pedro Severino. Uh, But Severino has more playing time in the big leagues than Brett Sullivan does. Sullivan, he's playing for Team Italy uh, in the WBC. They've had some pretty good games as well. So, those were, I'm just trying to look at my notes here, looking at different player updates. Drew Pomerantz, that's the one I wanted to hit on. Drew Pomerantz, he threw to hitters today, I think for the first time, either first time or second time this spring. 19 pitches, I think AC said, yeah, I think it was the second time, because I believe AC said in some notes column that he wrote this week that Pomerantz threw earlier in the week, he threw like 13 pitches, through 19 today, so that's good news there. He's on track for opening day, and he's tired of sitting there and not contributing and not helping the team. So hopefully he can stay healthy because if he can stay healthy, that just makes the bullpen even more talented than it is. And the bullpen, we already know, is talented. But adding a lefty in there, like Drew Pomerantz, I know Padres some Padres fans aren't high on Drew Pomerantz, and I understand why, like the injuries and all that, like you can't rely on him, blah, blah, blah. But when he has been on the field, he has performed well in a San Diego Padres uniform over the last couple years that he's been able to take the mound 2021 he had a 175 era 2020 he had a 145 era when he was this was before the padres but 2019 when he was traded to milwaukee from san francisco a 239 era like he's an impactful reliever if he can be on the mound and that's so that's what matters right like he can be an impactful reliever on the mound when he's on the mound all he wants. We can say those stats, but it doesn't matter if he's not going to be on the mound this year. This is his last year on this contract that he signed with the Padres. He's got to make an impact here, right? So Hopefully, he can be healthy. Uh, The Padres, they made some roster moves today. They optioned Pedro Avila, Michelle Baez, Angel Felipe, Tom Cosgrove uh, to the minor leagues, to AAA, I believe. That's expected i mean i wasn't expecting it today I, I there wasn't like a certain date that i was expecting them to be optioned uh but the padres it's kind of like the middle of spring training now got what 20 more days till opening day march 30th so they're starting to narrow down the names that are competing for major league roster spots that are in the big league camp I believe those guys can go still play in the big league game, the big league ca- cactus league spring training games. Like if the Padres need arms, but they're not in the major league clubhouse anymore. I don't believe that's what that means. Uh, and then Efren Contreras, Anderson Espinosa, Sean Poppin, Anil Sanchez, Matt Waldron, Aaron Leisher, Jansen Witz, and Terso Ornellis. Hopefully I pronounced that right. Probably didn't. Sorry. Uh, they were reassigned to minor league camp. So there's now 62 Padres players in camp at the, the major league camp, like com- still competing for major league roster spots. Not all of them, like Merrill's still there. He's not making the roster, obviously. But most of those guys probably still have some sort of a chance to make the roster. That includes all the six-man guys, or seven-man, if you want to say that, if you include Musgrove in the rotation. All of the outfielders, all of the bench infielders, all of the the, bull, the fringe bullpen arms, like it includes all of those guys. Uh, they are still on the big league side of things. Uh, any names here that surprise me why they... Or not why, but any names here that surprise me, them being option, them being assigned to AAA? Not really. Baez is probably like the biggest name in this group, but he wasn't ever going to make the opening day roster, so that's not a surprise. Pedro Avila, I guess you could have counted him as like a depth option for the Padres, but there are so many names ahead of him that there's no point in keeping him on the big league side of things because he wasn't really fighting for a six-man or a seven-man Rotation spot. I know it wouldn't be a seven-man rotation, but I'm just saying, like, if Musgrove's in the rotation, then that seventh guy probably goes to the bullpen along with someone else. He wasn't really in that, right? You look at guys that are ahead of him on the the priority list, I guess, if you want to say that for roster spots, big league roster spots. Ryan Weathers, Reese uh Brent Honeywell, Julio Tehran, Jay Groom, and I'll get to him in a second. He Seemed seem like he pitched pretty good today against Kansas City. I'm uh, probably forgetting some other guys as well. Nabil like Chris Matt, Adrian Morahone. That's like seven names that I named off there that are ahead, that, uh, that were ahead of Pedro Avila, Michelle Baez, guys like that. I didn't even name like Jose Castillo for the bullpen, Jose Lopez, who's still on the major league side of things because he's the rule five pick. I don't expect them to just give him back to the Rays this early in spring. They probably want to give him a little bit more of an opportunity. But right now, I don't expect Jose Lopez to make the roster. The Padres would offer him back to the Rays. And in return, if the Rays accepted him back, they'd get half of what they gave the Rays to acquire him in that Rule 5 draft. I think it's like $50,000. It's not a lot of money that they would be getting back if they gave Lopez back to Tampa because he's not going to be on the roster. Um, but yeah, no other names really surprise me. All of those guys are just going to be El Paso guys. I think Baez could come up at some point this year. Avila could come up at some point this year. Poppin could come up at some point this year. Waldron with the knuckleball, we'll see how he uh, how he pitches in the minor leagues this year. But those guys, it's not like any there weren't any like controversial names that were optioned or reassigned to minor league camp today. Um, I'm going to get to the Kansas city game today. Padres Royals that happened earlier today in surprise, but first a message about Gaglione bros. Check out Gaglione bros, famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries on Friars road. You can visit their website, gaglionebros.com for their entire menu and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. All right. Padres Royals was earlier today. I think this game was on a video webcast, but I'm not sure. I know it was on an audio webcast, but I had class, so I wasn't really paying attention to this game, and it wasn't on TV. So for anyone that was looking for it, now you know why. It wasn't on TV. Um... Jay Groom, he started four innings, no runs, three hits, three walks, three punch outs, a zero ERA so far this spring. And remember, Jay Groom is the guy that they got back in that Eric Hosmer deal. The Padres wanted Groom. So they were willing to attach prospects to that Hosmer trade, not just give Hosmer to the Red Sox for like a little bit of a little bit of a money dump. No, they attached more prospects to that. I think Corey Rozier went in that deal, if I'm not mistaken. I Maybe one other prospect won as well. Uh, so they they liked Groom. This wasn't just dumping Hosmer. They wanted Groom back as well. And seems like it's working out so far in spring training. No runs allowed. I wish I would have been able to see his start or at least go back and watch it earlier today, but... I I don't think we had that ability. But yeah, no runs. I guess he got into some trouble but was bailed out a little bit by some help from his defense. But hey, I know spring training for the star players were like, hey, it's spring training. Don't read into the results. But you do have to kind of read into the results of these guys like Jay Groom, guys that are fighting for roster spots because they are gonna they are giving their full effort every game that they go out there. Some starters, they're going to try, but they're not really going to care about the result. No, guys like Jay Groom, Ryan Weathers, Brent Honeywell, guys that are fighting for roster spots, they're going to care about the result. And so I I do value what Jay Groom is doing in spring training. And this is the first look, real look, that the Major League coaching staff has had at Jay Groom. Bob Melvin, he said it multiple times this spring, something to the effect of like, I wasn't too familiar with Groom before spring training because he came over in that trade uh, trade in that Hosmer deal pitched in the minors, Bob Melman's not focused on what he's doing in the minor leagues. He's focused on the big league club. So spring training—that's the first time Bob Melman has really laid eyes on him, you know, in person. And it seems like Bo Mel really likes what he's seeing out of Jay Groom, and how can he not? Like, sure, maybe there's some luck with him not allowing any runs, but not all of it's luck. There is skill there. So, hopefully, we'll get some more J Groom televised games this spring. And we're not just looking at box scores because I want to see this guy. I want to see more of this guy. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Uh, Craig Stammen, an injury. Unfortunate. I don't think he was going to make the big league roster, but we know how important he is to those players in the clubhouse. And he was really trying to fight for a roster spot, try to sneak onto the roster. Maybe if some injuries happened and he was healthy and he was pitching really well in spring training, maybe he would have snuck onto the roster. I don't think he would have, but. I mean, I don't even know if he was, maybe he would have been willing to go to El Paso still and just write it out there. Or he just wanted a spring training shot. I don't know. But today in Kansas City, he exited with a shoulder injury. He had the same injury in 2022. Maybe not the same injury, but like it was the same shoulder, the same throwing shoulder, uh, the same area last season. And that pretty much made him sit down. And just not be able to finish in a any type of significant role for the Padres in 2022. So it's obviously unfortunate news. Stammen, he was pitching well in spring training. I don't think he... I could be wrong, but I don't think he had allowed a run yet in spring training. So he was doing his part to make the best case to make the roster. But this injury... That pretty much says, yeah, he's not making the roster. He's not making the roster. If he's dealing with a shoulder issue, he's not going to be like back on a mound in a couple days, and that's going to set him back, and he already had a very, very low chance of making the roster anyway. So maybe he tries to recover and go pitch in El Paso, and if injuries happen, he can come up and contribute to the team. He really wants to play still. And he was so grateful for this opportunity with the Padres. So, hey, if he wants to keep pitching, the Padres will give him that opportunity, at least in the minor leagues. I would think, if he's if he wants to go pitch for another team, he can do that. I think because he's on a veteran minor league contract, he can opt out at the end of spring training and go sign with another team if another team's willing to take him on. But is another team going to be willing to take Craig on if he has a shoulder injury? I don't know. Does Craig want to be on another team? At this stage of his career, or does he want to just ride it out with the Padres? If the Padres, if he if he does have a shoulder injury here long-term and it's doubtful that he's going to provide any significant impact to this Padres team this year, maybe he decides to transition into an advisory role, uh, a part-time coaching staff role, maybe when the team's at home, or some like sort of pitching coach. I don't know what role they would have for him, but the Padres, they definitely would create a role, a special advisor role, something for Craig, if that's the route that he wanted to go. Like these, remember the win it, win it for Craig stuff last year. Like they really love Craig. He's like the team. I don't know. He's one of the leaders, one of the veterans, obviously, kind of like one of the the dads in the clubhouse, right? Uh, and a lot of the younger guys did look up to him, and even the veterans, they they. They have said that Craig is important to that clubhouse. So we'll see what happens there. He can still be with the team. Let's say he's rehabbing and it's an injury. They put him on the IL. He can still be with the big league team. So maybe they just do that. And Craig Stammon is on the IL. And at some point he starts throwing again. And he's still on the IL, but maybe he throws with the big league team. Maybe he does some live BP before games. And then when he's ready to go back out for a rehab assignment, he can do that. If he shows he's ready, then maybe the Padres just bring him onto the major league roster, or maybe he's on a rehab assignment and someone gets hurt or, you know, the timing is just right for him to get that last opportunity with the Padres in the big leagues. not he's not someone that's going to be a high leverage reliever. I wouldn't think for a contender At all for the rest of his career. But he was pitching well in spring. And I think he would tell you that he does have something left. I I just don't know what that is. uh, After this injury. We don't know what the severity of it is. We'll see how he feels. We'll see the reports on social media probably. On how he feels tomorrow. Or the the next couple days. This weekend. Next week. Uh, Obviously wishing everything nothing but the best for Craig and this shoulder. Uh, but that that was sucky to to see, to read, because obviously I wasn't watching the game today, but to read that, that he had to exit when he was pitching well this spring. I didn't think he was going to make the roster. Just want repeat, to repeat that. I, I don't think he was going to make the roster, but I think we can all definitely applaud him for signing that, being able, or being willing to have that minor league contract with the Padres and go battle for a roster spot when he was so used to already having a roster spot. But that does speak to the talent of this Padres team, the depth that this pitching staff, that, that, the depth that A.J. Preller has built bullpen-wise, bullpen arms, the amount of arms that can contribute to that bullpen this year. That Stammen was on a minor league contract, no guarantee to make the roster. But again, props to him for continuing to try to pitch. And make the big leagues again. All right, let's get to the chat here. I know I have not been looking at the chat at all so far in this show, uh, but I just had a lot of thoughts there on the WBC and stamina and what happened today in the spring game. By the way, offensively, there's really nothing to talk about in this spring game against the Royals. I mean, I think Crony and Grisham are like the two regulars that played today, and that was pretty much it. Azokar, I think, played, but he's not a guarantee to make the roster. That's why I don't say he's a regular. Uh, Austin says thoughts on Team DR. I think they're they're a top two team in this WBC. I definitely understand why some would say that they're the favorites. I, I, I think you know what? I think they do deserve to be the favorites for this tournament. But I'm not going to rule out Japan, and I'm not going to rule out Team USA. I know Team USA, and I have questions about Team USA's pitching staff as well. Don't worry. I'm, I'm along with those people that have questions about Team USA and the depth of the pitching staff and the starting rotation, maybe not being very strong. But they do have a stacked lineup. Mark DeRosa cannot go wrong with how he goes about making this lineup. And there are some quality bullpen arms there. And I think, like, some of these guys, like Adam Wainwright, I feel like, yeah, he's old, but he's when he gets out there on the mound, like, he's going to go to a different level, competitiveness level. And Miles Michaelis had a good year last year. And Nick Martinez, I mean, you don't need me to tell you about Nick Martinez, how competitive that guy is and just the presence he has on the mound, and JT Remuto in The Athletic earlier this week was raving about Nick Martinez, and just talking about uh, how he, or Mark DeRosa was asking JT Remuto about Nick Martinez, I believe, and JT was like, yeah, put this dude on the roster, essentially. So I have no doubt that Nick Martinez will compete. I don't know, I mean, I'm not going to say That he's like going to go shut out Mexico on Sunday if he pitches Sunday, but he's going to compete. He's going to keep Team USA in the game. I would be very surprised if Nick Martinez, when he starts on Sunday, he leaves and Team USA is not in the game. But like Team USA, like the pitching, right? The depth that's the question. I think that's a que- that's a that's a question in the rotation, Wainwright because people are questioning the age, Martinez. Casual fans, that's not a big name. That's not like Justin Verlander or Garrett Cole or Jacob Degrom or Max Scherzer, right? Uh, Kyle Freeland, uh, that's not the hugest name, right? He's probably most known for banging the the dugout uh, ceiling against the Padres last year. Um, I'm just going through Merrill Kelly. Good starter, but not the hugest name. Lance Lynn probably past his prime. Miles Michaelis, not the biggest name. Like, I think people are probably underrating the, the rotation a little bit. I have questions about it. I'm not saying it's better than Team DR's rotation or this amazing rotation. But I think people are underrating it because they're seeing, oh, Adam Wainwright's starting Game 1. Really, that's the best Team USA has? A 40 year old, however old Wainwright is. And they're seeing Nick Martinez starting. It's like like casual fans. Nick Martinez, really? That's Wainwright Martinez, that's the best Team USA has. Look at what DR is throwing out there. They have Sandy Alcantara throwing in game one. USA can't they don't have that. But Team USA, they might not face Alcantara in their the match that whenever DR and USA face assuming that they do face off and the bullpen there's some good names there too Daniel Bard David Bednar those are closers um Kendall Graveman Aaron Loop was just added Adam Onovino who's going to be a high leverage guy for the Mets this year Ryan Presley closer for the Astros like they have a lot of closers I didn't mention Brady Singer. Um I don't know how much time he's going to get Devin Williams. So they've got some of the best closers in baseball all on their team in that bullpen. So I'm not really as worried about the bullpen as maybe some are with team USA. It's more about the rotation. Uh, But I think USA, like if you're going to put the favorites in this tournament, Dr. Okay, I, I, I'm I'm fine with people saying they're the favorite, but I would put Team USA like right there. There's not a, a big gap at all. There's a bigger gap, I think, between USA and Japan than there is between USA and DR. And I don't even think there's a huge gap between Japan and USA. I mean, Japan has so many big names and so much talent on that team still. We're seeing what they're doing in their pool. Um, just making a joke out of that, right? Um, so yeah, I'm high on Team USA. I think they can win this tournament. I think this is the best team that USA has ever had on paper, with the lineup that they have and Trout playing and Betts playing. Um, could it be better? Yeah, but some starting pitchers, like the big name starters, they just elected to not play in the tournament. And Kershaw, remember Kershaw was going to do it, but he uh, he was denied because of like the health insurance or something. He couldn't like there were so many steps to some insurance because of how many innings he's thrown and he just couldn't get passed, I guess, by some someone to pitch in the tournament. But he wanted to. Yeah, there yeah, Alex. There's a lot of Kim's on Korea. But that's why like Hasan Kim, he trained he changed his jersey to H S Kim. Because he wants to be known by fans as Hossung Kim, not just Kim. There's a lot of Kim's. Yeah, Alex, yeah. There's a rivalry between Korea and Japan. They do have history. They've they've matched up a lot in the WBC. And Korea's actually won a good amount of games against Japan. They they were able to beat Ichiro's team definitely once if not multiple times yep there was Padres gear in the crowd during that game after the Darvish strikeout they showed Padres gear yeah that's really cool there's a lot of Angels gear right for Otani a lot of Padres gear for Darvish Cardinals gear for Newt Bar. it's cool it's cool how those Japanese fans those Japan fans uh, support those players when they're in the big leagues. And it just kind of brings me back to, like, imagine if Otani becomes a Padre. Because all that marketing, you have Darvish, all the, I mean, Darvish and Otani are the two most popular Japanese players in the world right now in baseball. And if you have them on the same team, do you know how much marketing you're going to have, how much Japanese media is going to be there day in and day out? I mean, you would get so much money from that. It would be crazy. It's almost like Otani pays for himself. Someone here says Mexico-Japan final. I don't see Mexico going that far. I think they can make it out of pool play, but then they'd probably have to play DR. But here's the thing. like Mexico, while I while I don't think they're going to make it to the final, they can. Netherlands can make it to the final. Smaller teams like that, they can make it because it's single elimination after pool play. The key is getting out of pool play. And then if you win, all it takes is winning one game against that big team, USA or DR, and then maybe you get an easier. You probably get an easier opponent the next game, the semis. And all it takes after those pool play games is winning three games: the quarter, the semi, and the final. It's not a series. You don't have to win three games or four games just to advance to the next. Single elimination. So that's where it's like, you know, we're all thinking that DR or US is going to win. And I think one of them will ultimately win. I'm not counting out Japan, though. Uh, I I refuse to count out Japan based on watching them. I think one of those three are going to win, but another country could win. Venezuela, Puerto Rico, another one could win because all it takes is to go on a a few-game run, a three-game run after pool play. Alex says, if Groom, Honeywell, Morahone, Weathers do good, could one of them be a trade chip in a package at the deadline? Yeah, I could see that. For like a starting pitcher, probably. But it would have to be more than that. It wouldn't just be one of them. And I don't think Honeywell would be that because it's. I think he's on a one-year deal. It might be an option, but I think he's on a one-year deal. I think it would be either Groom or Morahone. That would be a part of a package. Maybe Weathers, if he improves his stock and pitches really well. But I would I would lean towards Groom or Weathers or excuse me, not Groomer Weathers. Groom or Morahone, not Weathers. Definitely not Honeywell in a trade package. Yeah, I kinda agree here with Alex. They will do stamina uh, what they did to Kinsler, give him a role in the front office. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of Kinsler, but yeah, that's what they did. And Kinsler's now, I believe, working with Texas, with Chris Young. But yeah, the Padres, they have numerous assistants still in that front office. Like Part of why the Padres, they signed um, Michael Walker was because they talked to Mike Schilt, who's working with the Padres still, former manager of the year. They talked with Alan Craig, who is an advisor, I believe, an assistant on A.J. Preller's staff. In baseball operations, yeah, they have a, they have a bunch of advisors here. I'm just looking on their website. Glenn Hoffman, senior advisor, of baseball operations. Obviously, former third base coach uh, Brian Price, former manager. He is a senior advisor to the coaching staff, so he's not in the dugout, but he still helps out. Alan Craig, an advisor, of baseball operations. AJ Ellis, former catcher, special assistant, baseball operations. Um, so, yeah, they they have a, they have plenty of former players. Trevor Hoffman, obviously, a senior advisor, baseball ops. They have a lot of former players that do that. So, yeah, Stammen would definitely be able to hop in one of those roles, an advisor to the coaching staff or to maybe maybe they open a position as like a, an advisor to Ruben Diablo. I don't know. But, yeah, I can definitely see that. All right. I want to hit on San Diego state, but first I want to tell you about the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. It's underdog fantasy. They have great pick 'em games and best ball tournaments In pickup games. Just pick higher or lower on two to five players stats. And you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. You can go cross team, cross league, and even cross sport. Best ball revolves around the draft, which is what every fan loves the most about fantasy, and it eliminates the hassle of having to manage your roster all season long, resulting in a fun and easy fantasy product. How does it work exactly? You enter a contest where you participate in a snake draft against other users. That lineup that you drafted competes against every other draft in the entire contest. The better the combined performance of your team, the more money you win. After your lineup is all played, Underdog will take the best performing players and automatically set them as your starting lineup. That's it. No waivers, no trades, no worrying about who to start or sit. After you complete your draft, your part is done. Underdog Fantasy offers best ball in a variety of ways, including daily contests, weekly contests, playoff contests, and season long contests. You can either enter into these and compete against thousands of other entrants for huge prizes or if you'd like, you can enter into a private draft with friends and family to compete for a smaller prize pool. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy to use website and mobile apps. Sign up now by clicking the link in the description or by using the promo code, Friers, and you'll double your first deposit up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of $10 or more. So if you deposit $100, you get $100 free. If you deposit $10, you get $10 free. So Underdog Fantasy, as you can see, they're a new partner to the show. I've downloaded their app. I've been using it. The desktop, the the website, it's great. There's pickems like I talked about there in that ad where you can just pick higher or lower. There are the best ball tournaments where you just draft a team and you don't have to worry about managing it. So you can go jump into one of those before the baseball season starts. There's obviously other sports that you can do as well. So I definitely encourage you to utilize that. Use my promo code talking friars or hit that link in the description for a 100% uh, match. So, like, if you deposit $10, like I said in the ad, they give you another $10 for free. So, instead of having just $10 able to place, um, not bets, but entries in, you would have 20 So, that's how it works there. Um, so, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out, obviously, on social media or in the comments. And I can definitely answer your questions about Underdog Fantasy. I'm looking forward to continuing to spread the word about underdog fantasy. They're going to be a great partner and I'm going to be using it and I'm going to be probably on pregame shows, maybe on some postgame shows. I'll be going over some picks that I make during the year. Some entries, excuse me, uh, that I make during the year. um, If I was correct on them, if I wasn't. um, And maybe make some recommendations to you guys on what, I would do, uh, in the app. So great contest there. Again, it's not just baseball, but there's soccer, college sports, PGA Tour, MMA, NBA, NHL, NFL, uh, everything. So it's great. There's WBC stuff in there right now. So if you want to use that, feel free to go. Uh, again, promo code Talking Friars or hit the link in the description for some additional free money. All right. Let's get to the San Diego State win tonight, earlier tonight. San Diego State, they knocked off San Jose State 64-49. I wanted San Diego State to not have to be playing in a close game, like just for once, like show me that you can blow out a team, just dominate a team. And that's pretty much what happened tonight against San Jose State. San Jose State, they're not... Probably going to the NCAA tournament like they were fighting for their lives tonight. But that's also why this is another encouraging win because San Diego State went and just smashed a team that was fighting for their lives. Just like the teams they're gonna be facing in the NCAA tournament, or at least the first team. Teams, hopefully, because hopefully they can win a tournament game and they're playing multiple games, playing multiple teams, right? Uh, but they're gonna be fighting for their lives after this tournament. So they got to get used to that playing teams that are also fighting for their lives. And it was big to get this win because I think it instilled confidence back into Darion Trammell. And I could point to other players on the team like Lamont Butler, Matt Bradley. They both scored double-digit points tonight, which I thought was big. And Ladie and Mensa, But with Trammell... He was limping at the end of the half. And so I was kind of worried about that a little bit. I was definitely keeping an eye on him in the second half, but he seemed fine. And he scored zero points against Colorado State last night. Let's remember that. And he was on the bench and he was not happy, obviously. But he bounces back and he makes a couple threes. He ends up finishing with 15 points. Just that bounce back, right? Instilling that confidence back in him. And it's kind of like, well, you're going to have some bad games, but flush it, move on. You're a talented player. You're a starter on this team for a reason. And he proved that tonight. So I thought that was a good win. San Diego State, 26-6 and on the year. 24-6 and during the regular season. Now 2-0 and in the Mountain West Tournament. Beating Colorado State yesterday. They beat San Jose State today, and then they'll play the winner of the Boise State Utah State game that is happening, I believe, right now. Uh, who do I want to play? I I would like to play probably Boise State. I, I I'd like to avoid Utah State. Just feels like Utah State. They've been able to beat San Diego State. I know it's different teams, but they've been able to beat San Diego State in these tournament settings these conference tournament settings and San Diego State they were I know they they lost to Boise I believe at Boise right but they smacked Boise at Viejas and the San Diego State crowd has flocked to Vegas like it's home court advantage in Vegas for San Diego State regardless of who they play John Schaefer was there today and he was pretty much saying like it's It's like 20, 25 to 1 in terms of state fans and San Jose State fans. Like, it is huge. It's like, it's Vegas Viejas Arena. So, I'm confident the Aztecs will be able to beat Boise State. I, I still think they can beat Utah State as well, but I'd prefer them not face Utah State. Maybe that's just me thinking of past teams not being able to beat Utah State. In the conference tournament setting, but an encouraging win. They had a 16-point lead with 13 minutes to go. Had a 33-20 lead at halftime, and you know sometimes this season, right? They had that big lead. They would end up winning the game still, but the lead would get much smaller, and it would end up being like a either a single-digit win or like a 10-point win instead of like a 20-point win. But they were able to keep the gas or the the, their foot on the pedal, right? Foot on the gas, Uh, and they end up winning by 15 tonight, not 20. But they didn't let San Jose State get it to double digits. Excuse me, get into the game in single digits, right? So good win, and they have a chance tomorrow, 3 p.m. It might be on Big CBS, either that or CBS Sports Network, 3 p.m. tomorrow. Mountain West Tournament Conference Championship game, they have a chance to sweep the Mountain West. The regular season conference, win that, they already have, get that banner, and then they can get the conference tournament banner. And if they do that, then I think they should at least be a five seed in the NCAA tournament. Selection Sunday on Sunday. So, obviously, attention will be on, I think, CBS. I think that's where they announce it. We'll be looking forward to that on Sunday. All right. Any more comments in the chat? Oh, Alex says, it's crazy how Musgrove is throwing already. Dude's a warrior. He's going to try his damn to start opening day. He's not start, I I mean, I don't want to rule out that he's not going to start opening day, but there's like a 1% chance he starts opening day. They might have just thrown Darvish over Musgrove anyway in opening day. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I know Sandy it's in San Diego, so they Bowmel would probably want to go Darvish like he did for the home opener last year against the Braves, which they smashed the Braves. Manny had like five hits. Musgrove pitched six innings. I remember that game. That was great. Um, but I don't I don't think Musgrove's gonna start opening day. I think the best case scenario is Musgrove starts at the like the he, he makes his first turn in the rotation, but not as like the one or two more like the, the five or the six starter. I'm not ruling that out, but I'm I'm kind of ruling out opening day. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm not, I'm not saying there's a 0% chance, but I, I don't think that the Padres would even want him starting opening day. I think they want to give him as many rest days possible, as many days to recover and be ready as they can with him still being able to make every start. As long as he's healthy, as long as he... Feels good. He's ready to go. But yeah, he's a warrior, and but he, he's been working his butt off. Let's not act like he's just been sitting. I'm not saying you are, Alex, or anyone in the chat is. But for casual fans or people that are not Padres fans and they're seeing Musgrove throwing, like, oh wow, fast recovery on. Huh? He was just sitting on the couch and he's already back. Wow, that's cool. No, no, no. He was four hours hyperbaric chamber, 150 med- or not medicine, weighted ball throws a day, uh, recovery the rehab right the working out he's been working his butt off after fracturing the toe to be able to get to this point and he posted on instagram that his left shoe is i believe two sizes bigger than his right uh i, I don't know if he has something in the shoe for support but he's able to wear shoes now he's not wearing the open toed protection shoe he's out of that uh Other pitchers would probably still be in that because they don't have the work ethic. They don't have the want, the desire that Musgrove does. And so, yeah, I mean, Musgrove, he's not someone that's just going to sit there and steal money and just take money from the Padres. "Eh, It's guaranteed money. I don't have to make these starts. It's a regular season. It's just the beginning of the season. We're going to make the playoffs. Uh, Whatever. No. He goes and he's like, no, I'm posting. I'm making these starts. I want the ball. You're giving me the ball. I'm going to work my butt off and show you that I am ready to take the ball first time through the rotation. So I'm not ruling that out. And that's right, Alex. Yeah, good point. He he pitched. Yeah, he threw a bullpen with uh, wisdom tooth wisdom teeth pulled out the day after that. The morning after, he was throwing a bullpen. So yeah, he's different just that competitor, right? He has it. Nick Martinez has it. Manny has it. Darvish has it, right, in those big moments. There's there's other Padres that have it too, but those are just some guys that it comes to mind, like right at the forefront of my head, like, yeah, okay, yeah, these guys have that extra competitive drive in them. Uh, Jake has it. I mean, we saw that in the playoffs, but it doesn't seem like it's as, like, he doesn't get pumped up all the time. Right, Or it seems like the guys I named before, they get more pumped up, it seems like, um, in those competitive situations. Where Jake, you don't really see that. And that's why I loved it so much against the Dodgers last year. When he was pumping his fist after that, the, obviously the big hit. And how pumped up he was, even if you rewind to Game 2 at Dodgers Stadium after that big home run that he hit. The insurance home run. And how pumped up he was. 'Cause it's not like you see it every day. And it, it it's like genuine, like wow, uh, he is pumped. So I kind of forget where I was going there with that. But yeah, yeah, Musgrove, getting back to Musgrove, yeah, he's he he's what some people like to call a dog. He just has that dog in him, that competitive fire in him. All right, that's gonna do it. Talking for hours episode three hundred and sixty. Brought to you by Gaglione Bros, famous cheesesteaks and fries. And Underdog Fantasy, new partner to the show. Go check them out. They're going to be great partners for this show. Obviously, Own Bros, check them out on Friars Road. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in on the podcast platforms, on YouTube, live, or on replay. I appreciate everyone's support. Go Padres. San Diego Loyal has their first game tomorrow, so go Loyal. Talk to you guys later. See ya.